You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a podcast all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthily and happily for ourselves and our planet. Welcome back to another episode, my lovely friends. I am your host, Rebecca Henson. It is a beautiful summer, super hot day. (laughs) The weather here has been crazy hot, um, but that is living in the South. What What can I say? Pretty much every summer, we all, well, not me exactly, but oftentimes people are like, you know, is it always this hot? I feel like this summer is hotter. No, no, it's not. This is just what it feels like to be in the South in the summer. Also, we had a very mild spring and early summer, so I think it came as a shock when it all of a sudden hit us, and it's hot as Hades outside. But I am one week away from moving cities. This is pretty crazy for me because I have lived in Charleston, South Carolina, almost almost half of my life. Um, just a few years away from that. But yeah, we are moving to Wilmington, North Carolina. It's just about three hours north uh, on the coast. So we are basically just moving uh, coastal beach cities. Wilmington is a bit smaller than Charleston. So I'm a little bit nervous about that in some way or another. Um, I had originally thought that Wilmington was too small for me years ago when we were kind of entertaining and chatting about moving, but I came around and here I am, I'm moving there. (laughs) Um, but you know, nothing is finite. And if it's, if I don't like it, we can change it up. Who knows? But maybe I will love it. And I am, I'm feeling like I will. I think that either way, a change right now is good for me. Um, is good for both of us, my husband and Derek and me. So Here is to new beginnings and to shifting, shifting things up. Um, So we're just going to hop right in to today's podcast, uh, which is all about plastic. So I have kind of wanted to talk about this for a while. I've seen a lot of documentaries about plastic. I've become passionate about plastic, I guess, uh, anti-plastic, um, I carry around my own bamboo utensils. I carry around my own straw. I often carry, uh, bring my own reusable mug or glass. Generally speaking, uh, now that Corona is here, people are more hesitant to to uh, to take your reusable glass and put the beverage in it, which is unfortunate. But I I have really gotten passionate, like I said, about plastic waste and especially, you know, single use plastic, which we all are guilty of it. I mean, it, it, it encompasses our life. You know, it's really difficult to do anything these days. I mean, no matter what restaurant you go out to half the time, if you go out for lunch, unless it's a a nicer sit down restaurant, if you're picking up lunch, you know, they, it's to go in a plastic container. They give you plastic fork that's wrapped in a plastic little bag and then they put it in a plastic bag and And then all of that has a life cycle of, you know, 10 or 15 minutes and then it's in the trash, but then it's on this planet forever, you know, and not even just the single use plastic. Everything that we do during the day involves plastic. I mean, heck, I'm looking at this microphone and there's tons of plastic on it. You know, I'm looking around my desk and 
just just that general awareness of, of looking at all the plastic bits that are everywhere. And all of these things that are in our life that are plastic will never go away. Every single piece of plastic that has ever been created is still on this planet today. So this is a huge problem. We have a really big issue for multiple reasons, which we will get into um, environmentally, but also for our bodies. So the plastic is affecting us um, in a certainly negative way. But I just want to start with going down some facts and talking about what plastic is and why it's here, when it was created, who created it, how was it created. Um, So we'll go and then we'll go from there. So different scientists and researchers started experimenting and trying to find a suitable replacement for ivory. At that time, ivory was being used everywhere. It was in billiard balls. It was uh, the keys to pianos. It was in combs and hairbrushes. And it was, it was in a lot of different goods. And they were aware that and, and fearful that elephants were soon going to be extinct. Now, whether this was on the welfare of the animal side, I don't think that was it. I think it was more just them noticing that they weren't going to have any more elephants to kill to create these goods. So they needed to find some other way, uh, some other material that could be used in place. So this was around the mid-1800s, around 1870, that they were experimenting and exploring that. However, it wasn't until 1907 in New York City that Bakelite created the first actual plastic. It was in the 1930s and 40s that all types of plastics were being created. During World War II, plastics were being used in parachutes, hand grenades, and airplanes had hundreds of different plastic parts inside the cockpit. So once the war was over, plastic exploded and was used in household items everywhere, telephones, radios, etc., etc., In the 80s, that is when plastic really shifted and was being made into, instead of just the hard, more durable items, you know, like telephones and such, they were be it was being created into throwaway single-use plastic that we're all so familiar with today. So plastic bags, bottles, um, silverware, all of this kind of stuff. So while it revolutionized our lives... It, of course, has come with a major price. So plastic is a synthetic, artificial, man-made compound that can be molded into solid objects. The word comes from a Greek word, plasin, P-L-A-S-S-E-I-N, which literally translates to mold or shape. It's made today mostly of crude oil, natural gas, or coal. And as I said before, it is not biodegradable and every single piece that has ever been made still exists on this planet. And long after you and I will be gone, it will still be here. Seriously, the toothbrush head that you and I used or the toothbrush that we used this morning or the coffee that you got yesterday, that will all still be here. Heck, the toothbrush that you used when you were five years old, 
is still somewhere on the planet. Like, just think about that for a second, right? Literally, the sippy cup that you drank out of when you were a child is still somewhere. Or the plastic cup that you drank at at your 10th birthday party (laughs) is still somewhere on this planet right now. That's just nutso, right? That stuff that you use just for like 10 minutes or maybe like a couple weeks is going to be here when you and I are dead. (laughs) That's just super crazy to fathom. So it is a cra- it has been a crazy phenomenon. Like I said, it has absolutely shaped the way our world conducts business and goes about our daily lives. Like I said, every aspect of our lives involves plastic. You get into your car, plastic is everywhere. Uh, you know, just look inside your purse or just around your kitchen, bathroom. All products we buy are wrapped in plastic, conditioner, toothpaste. I mean, it's really, really difficult to get away from it. And there are certainly ways to try to reduce and limit your plastic consumption, which I will talk about in just a little bit. But if you're going to live in modern society, I would imagine to be 100% plastic free is extremely difficult. Of course, you see these people on the internet who have done it minimalist and they show you their amount of trash that they produced in a year, (laughs) which is insane. I, it's just Derek and me in our house and we are extremely conscious and I try to buy in bulk and in a normal, you know, scenario, not necessarily now because that section is closed at the health food store. But generally I try to buy more things in bulk and just reduce how many plastic bags, you know, you buy nuts, they're in a bag. I take my own eco-friendly bags, but we still produce a lot of waste. And not just the stuff that's in the recycling, but think about all the little bits of things that aren't recyclable, but are still plastic. You know, you open, um, you know, a thing of soup or something, one of those that's in the little carton in the top. It has a film over it, which is plastic. What do you do with it? You put it in the trash bag. You can't put it in the recycling, but that is still a piece of plastic that is not going to decompose and is could possibly end up in the waterways or either way, uh, it's going to be on this planet forever. So yeah, it is difficult even when you're trying your best to limit the plastic that you are uh, consuming. So Anyways, I digress. So back to plastic production. Here is a little fun fact, crazy trivia that I recently discovered. Coca-Cola and Monsanto hmm, are to blame for the first single-use bottle. Yeah, I know. Imagine that. Monsanto connected to another unhealthy toxic item. Shocker. And apparently when this came out, there was a lot of backlash from the health community and scientists because one of the ingredients uh, in the bottles was already connected to disease and illness, yet they still found a way to push it through. Um, It's amazing what money can do for you. Am I right? So as far as plastic goes on the planet, there is, of course, the obvious issue here, and that is pollution. It's pretty easy to see how that is impacting our environment by just going outside, looking down the street 
and in the side on the sidewalk or in the ditches there's plastic everywhere I mean heck every time I drive on the interstate the amount of trash I see on the sides of the road just makes my heart hurt you know and the issue with that of course is not just that it's ugly but all of this trash ends up in our waterways so it slowly finds its way to a water source whether that be into a lake or into the sewer and then later to rivers and streams and then to the ocean and it's said that by 2050 we will have more plastic in the ocean than fish. And actually, if you look at the small fragments of plastic, it's about one to six already. So if you take into account all the small bits of plastic in the ocean, they already outnumber the fish. Now, of course, then the animals are ingesting the plastic. Some of them think that it's food. Others are doing it on accident as they try to scoop up water and filter through, you know, to get small little uh, plankton or shrimp or whatever, little fish. Uh, Albatross birds are one that are really being impacted by this. Their method of feeding is by skimming the top layer of the water and picking up whatever little tiny fish are at the top layer. Well, now, sadly, there is so much plastic at the top layer that they are ingesting that instead and then going back and feeding their babies and then their babies are dying. So albatross has been one species that has been affected by it in record numbers and their babies are dying at record numbers. Of course, we have seen photos of all different species being impacted by this um, that floods the internet, right, or the news when a whale washes up and they you know, dissect it and find that there's 80 pounds of plastic in its stomach. And there's no way to think that that didn't impact and cause their death. So it's very disheartening when you see this. Um, Or little fish, I mean, or little birds. Um, I see it when I go walk on the beach, how much plastic there is. I try to pick up what I can. But of course, that's just a tiny little drop in the ocean of how vast a problem this is. Now, the other thing that I'm going to talk about is how this is impacting our bodies. So most people, you know, out of sight, out of mind, they don't really think that it's impacting them as much. Certain areas of the world obviously see more of the plastic pollution than others. And this is because of the currents of the ocean. So much like the currents carry and transport warm water to other areas of the planet. These currents are also transporting plastic to those areas of the planet. So it's basically like a little conveyor belt of plastic getting transported all over to different places. And certain uh, countries are seen more on their beaches than others because of this. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not impacting you. Plastic is extremely detrimental to human health as well as all animals' health. So the reason for this is that certain ingredients, certain um, chemicals that are in plastic leach out hormone-like chemicals that mimic and act like estrogen. BPA being a big one. 
And you might be familiar with seeing products such as canned goods proudly stating on the outside that they're BPA-free, but it's found in so many other things. And also, back to that idea, just because something has been is BPA-free doesn't mean it's not chemical-free. So yes, maybe they replaced the BPA, but what did they replace it with? Just another type of chemical and another form of plastic that maybe hasn't had as much research done on it, but that doesn't mean that it's not causing the same issues. But so back to the BPA, uh, it's pretty crazy how prevalent BPA is. It is even on the back of receipts. They have actually tested people touching a receipt and, and then scanning the people's fingers, and they already had BPA on their fingers that was then being absorbed into their bloodstream. It only takes a few seconds and the BPA was already absorbed and there. So it's no wonder that a study that was recently done a few years ago showed that 90% of people tested had traces of BPA in their urine. And this was after following certain guidelines in the study meant to reduce the amount of BPA in their diet. So these participants were already actively trying to reduce their BPA in their life, but they still had 90% in their urine. I mean, what the heck, right? That means it is in everything, and we have no idea how prevalent it is. So what is BPA? BPA stands for bisphenol A, which is an industrial chemical that's been used to make certain plastics um, and resins since the 1960s. So it's been around for quite a while. There's also been lots of studies on why it's bad. However, it is still being allowed and they're claiming that it's safe in low levels. However, it's not low levels when it's in everything. (laughs) So maybe if you were only exposed to it like once, that would be one thing. However, we're exposed to it everywhere. And again, like drinking out of plastic cups, it is being leached into that. So like children who drink out of plastic cups, which of course that is nice, they don't break, but this chemical, this hormone-like chemical is being leached out into the cup and into the water or the drink, and then the child is drinking it. So of course, like I said, it is hormone-like chemical that mimics that of estrogen. So of course, this is going to be super detrimental to women because we have much more sensitive systems than men do when it comes to hormones, but that does not mean that it does not affect them. So it has been shown to cause disruption in the endocrine system, which of course leads to hormone imbalance. Uh, It causes inflammation, even death. It also is linked to increased risk of cardiovascular disease, reproductive cancers, attention deficit disorders and learning problems, and infertility. We have a major problem right now with infertility of all species, Um, not just humans. So there have been some studies of some different um, killer whales or orcas off the coast of England that cannot reproduce anymore and... Of course, there are some theories that it is related to the water that has been so polluted with the plastic and is causing all of these hormone problems to mammals and animals in the ocean. So we're seeing this everywhere. It's not just with humans, and it is having a major, major 
negative, horrible impact on the planet on so many levels. So the other thing that I want to chat about is microplastics, which I had quickly done like a a little Instagram story on the other day. Um, And I got a lot of a lot of response from this and it was a photo of a plate of tiny little bits of plastic and it said this is how much microplastics the average human eats in a year. So what the heck are microplastics and why are we ingesting them right? That sounds crazy like I'm not eating plastic. Why, Why would it be in my body? Okay so microplastics are these tiny fragments of plastic. So as plastic sits out in the sun, whether that be on the ground or in the ocean, it does slowly begin to disintegrate. Of course, it never gets to, it never completely goes away. It disintegrates into smaller and smaller pieces. Like I said, it never goes away though. It gets to be between five millimeters and 0.001 millimeters long. So basically anything less than five millimeters is considered microplastic and hence the word micro it's tiny you know there's actually even plastics called nanoplastics which are even smaller but again these plastics get to a certain size and then they never completely go away because they're so small this makes them extremely difficult to filter they easily get through sewer filter systems all filter systems so it gets into our water we're drinking the microplastics. It's having that estrogen-like effect on us. It is getting into fish, into animals, and then people are eating those animals. And it just becomes this vicious cycle. It is said that people eat at least 50,000 plastic particles a year. It's also in the air. So we're breathing it in. We're eating it. We're ingesting it through our food and through our water and it's causing so many health problems. So, of course, I think that health is this multifaceted, um, you know, situation, right? I mean, there are so many things that are causing our negative health. And it's in everything. It's everything that we've done to this planet, you know. Uh, it's through the food we eat, uh, through the degradation of our soil. It's mass producing um, of these poor animals on the planet. It's our water. It's being contaminated by corporations and pollution and plastic pollution and microplastics. And it's just the list goes on and on. So back to the microplastics. One last little tidbit is that these microplastics have been found, uh, you know, like I said, in the air. But they've also been found as far as in uh, Arctic ice. So... They're in the water, they're in Arctic ice, and like I said, they've been found in our bodies. So what is the answer here? Obviously, this is a very complicated situation, and in all areas, I think there needs to be some major shifting. I think that governments need to step up and have some type of guidelines or regulations or try to encourage or help companies transition to a different method of wrapping food, um, wrapping clothes, 
single-use plastic, I think, should be banned. I think that, I mean, we shouldn't, we've obviously existed on this planet without those things. Uh, this is relatively new, super new, and when you look at the history of humankind. So it can be done. Um, I think also from a consumer standpoint, there is a lot for us to do. I, I definitely feel like it's a producer problem and a government problem that, that really needs to make a huge change, but I know that individually we can as well. And I also think that individuals have more control over the market than they realize and of demanding goods. I mean, we see this in the vegan plant-based movement, right? Pretty much every brand out there these days is producing some type of plant-based alternative. And some companies are transitioning entirely to plant-based goods. I know there's different dairy farmers, dairy farms that have uh, converted to now doing just plant-based milks. Um, lots of different meat companies are investing in plant-based uh, innovations. Tyson has invested a lot. Um, and different um, wealthy billionaires and all these kind of people who I'm not going to put them on a pedestal, but they obviously, they have so much money because they know what they're doing, I suppose. So if that's in the, any indication of the market, um, you know, right there. But from a individual's standpoint, I encourage you to bring your own reusable bags. Uh, considering the state of the world that we're in right now, bag your own things. I know that Whole Foods is allowing you to bring your own reusable bag if you bag it yourself, which is not that big of a deal. Um, so you can certainly do that. You can carry your own straws. There are lots of different types of straws out there. Uh, stainless steel ones, there are glass ones, there are bamboo ones, um, avocado seed straws. Those are really strong. So there's a lot of that. Um bringing your own mug to a coffee shop, of course, and like I said, carry your own utensils. If you Google bamboo utensils, you can find lots of different options. The one that I have um, comes with a little pouch and everything, which I think is so nice. And if you're a dude, you can just keep it in your car or in your glove compartment, but most women carry a bag, so that's certainly not that difficult. Um, because the main thing is is to try to reduce or refuse plastic, right? We used to think that it was just recycle, reduce, reuse. Well, now it's more refuse. <laughs> we need to refuse it because only 5% of the plastic in the world actually gets recycled. The other 95% ends up in a landfill or in the ocean. So recycling is not the answer. Another reason that recycling is not the answer is because plastic can only be recycled so many times. It's actually called downcycling. So you downcycle plastic into a less strong version. It gets weaker and weaker every time until it's not usable at all. So what happens is that most items get downcycled and they get sent to developing countries like China to create cheaper plastic products. So Furthermore, like I said, plastic can only be downcycled so many times until it is not usable whatsoever. Glass, however, can be recycled indefinitely, forever. You can recycle plas uh, 
glass over and over and over and over again, unlike plastic, which cannot have that done. Now, you might be aware of different brands out there that are creating compostable single-use items, I suppose. Um, Eco is a company. A lot of healthy food places use Eco products, and they're supposedly compostable and blah, blah, blah. Well, there's some issues with that as well, of course. (laughs) So these items, which are quote-unquote compostable, can only be composted in a commercial facility. That means if you try to compost it in your backyard compost, it's not going to do it. It has to be in an industrial compost facility, which gets much, much hotter. And if those items end up in a landfill, they actually produce more methane than a plastic container would, would produce sitting out in a landfill. So compostable items are not the answer, again, refusing is better or to, you know, carry your own. And biodegradable, you know, I I don't really I'm not going to say I disagree with it. I would prefer to just use my own thing that I can use over and over and over again because to me biodegradable still has uh, a life cycle to some degree, right? So let's say most biodegradable things They take about three to six months to biodegrade. Well, that's plenty of time for it to impact some type of animal on the planet. So if it's out in the ocean three months, six months, that's enough time for uh, it to get wrapped around a sea turtle's head or, you know, for a little animal to get stuck in it or for a sea turtle to eat it, for somebody to eat it, and it could still cause harm to their bodies. So again... I don't think that's the answer. I really think trying to go back to kind of like the Middle Ages when people carried around their own silverware. Like that's what people did. They literally had little, you can buy antique silverware boxes and uh, like really, I mean, obviously they have like really fancy ones, but, but most people carried around their own things. I mean, you were just prepared. We just need to be more prepared now. We've gotten so used to having everything right at our fingertips, super quick, Super easy, don't have to think about it ever again, throw away society, but obviously that has come back to bite us in the butt, and that was fine for the 20th century, but now we're in the 21st, and now we're having to clean up that mess that we made, or that our (laughs) parents or grandparents' generation did it, I suppose, it wasn't my generation, Um, but now this generation and the generations below us are going to have to fix it. And they're the ones who are being impact, who are going to be impacted by it the most, you know. So those are kind of, um, I guess, my tips as far as you know the plastic goes. With everything else in our life, I mean, you go to the grocery store and just look in your cart at how much stuff is wrapped in plastic, right? I get some vegan yogurt. It's in plastic container. Uh, I get. Um, you know, some nuts, like I said, they're in a plastic bag that can't be really recycled. Um, I get a cauliflower that is always wrapped in plastic, right? Why is a cauliflower always wrapped in plastic? Broccoli isn't, but cauliflower is. I don't really understand that. Um, <laughs> and certain grocery stores are worse about it than others. You know, I, Whole Foods, um, as much as I would like to not support 
that conglomerate. Um, uh, they are better about not wrapping everything in plastic, but I go to Trader Joe's and every single darn thing is wrapped in plastic. Everything, even the cucumber. Why? I mean, I don't, I never, I rarely buy produce from there strictly because of that. Also, I don't think their produce is as good, but everything's wrapped in plastic. Um, and that really, really bothers me. But again, you know, all the other things that I buy, I mean, if I want to get some new, you know, face wash or something, probably wrapped in plastic. Um, so now what to put those items in? I don't really know. I don't know what the answer for those are. Uh, I know how to reduce, but I don't know how to completely eradicate it from my life. If you have any good suggestions, <laughs> please send them my way. Um, I'm always looking for tips. I do know there are some some good companies out there for like laundry detergents. That's a big one um, of how much laundry detergent containers are, you know, in landfills and uh, being wasted every year. There are some companies that are creating different little pods that, you know, come in eco-friendly cardboard boxes or um, one I saw that was really cool. It's, um, it kind of looks like a piece of paper. It's like kind of small, like the size of a note card, but it's thick. And you put that into the wash and it dissolves and it acts as, you know, laundry detergent. So I would like to see these brands be more accessible because at this point you have to order them. They are a little bit more on the uh, pricier side. So not really out there for the masses. Um, You know, most people are going to grab the thing that's cheaper, of course, and these are not, not really price friendly. So there you have it, friends. There is just a little tidbit about plastic and what it is doing to our planet and to our bodies. Um, I hope that has inspired you to take an even bigger stance against plastic and try to get creative or inventive um, about reducing and refusing in your life as much as you can. And, you know, even just picking up some plastic as you see walking around on the ground, um, Again, let me know if you have any suggestions or how you have been evolving to reduce the plastic in your life. I would love to get some more inspiration for myself because, of course, I am always trying to make a bigger impact on the planet in a positive way, especially when it comes to plastic. I have a lot of passions and, of course, the planet is right there with everything that I that I do. I am very conscious about this world and trying to keep her as clean and happy as she can be because we have nowhere else to go. And even if we did, I would not want to leave. I want to to fix the mess that has been made here because I think it can be done. I think it's just about awareness and, and getting people fired up about it. Because, um, you know, it does seem like the government and those powers that be who are in charge of everything you know, they don't really care, you know, all they care about is the end, the bottom line and lining their pockets right now. They don't care about the future, but I do. And I'm pretty sure you do if you're listening to this podcast. So 
some documentaries to watch about plastic. Um, one of them is called Plastic Paradise, The Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is a quite fascinating thing to learn about, uh, crazy phenomenon. I don't know where to find that one, actually. It used to be on Netflix, and I that's where I watched it a couple years ago. It is not there anymore. I'm pretty sure you can probably rent it, but it is a really, really good one. I would suggest you rent it if that is something that you're interested in. Um, there's another one. I haven't seen this one, but I've heard rave reviews. It's called A Plastic Ocean. Um, there's something called Bag It. That one looks good like B-A-G-I-T, <laughs> like bag it, lots of bags everywhere. Um, but yeah, you can just Google, I'm sure, or, you know, search DuckDuckGo, whatever, um, and find some really good documentaries on the plastic pollution problem that we have. And um, thank you again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Um, you can also sign up for my newsletter. It is on therefinedhippie.com and be sure to follow me on Instagram at therefinedhippie. And I hope you have a lovely day. And until next time, my friends, peace and plants.